Hello and welcome to the Developing Dads podcast. I'm your host Neil and alongside my brother Gordon, we're going to explore life as two young dads trying to figure this whole parenting thing out. Join us every Monday where we aim to share our thoughts on how we raise our families, invest our time and explore things that interest us. Hello and uh, yeah, welcome to a another episode of the Developing Dads podcast. This is episode number 48. We're going to be talking about Movember. Um, if you are watching on the YouTube, you can see how terrible, terrible Neil's tash is. I don't know how he's getting away with it because my wife, Laura, would have a fit if I grew a moustache that looked like that. It's absolutely, <laughs> it's absolutely shocking. So, And I've got a wedding uh, this weekend, which um, I'm dreading. No, I'm not, I'm not dreading. I'm looking forward to the wedding, but the, the looks I'm going to get from people I don't know. Well, I mean... But the thing is, though, you think that, but most people don't care. Yeah, like, true. They're going to look at your face and just be like, oh, he must always have a moustache. <laughs> like, you know, it's like dad, right? Dad's Our dad's got a moustache and I've never seen him without a moustache. Have you ever seen him without a moustache? No. I think we should just, I think we should just, I don't know, when he goes to sleep, shave it off <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> he'd probably, he'd probably look a bit 10 years younger. Yeah, he would. I wonder when he started growing his moustache. That must—that's quite. That'd be a quite an interesting conversation. Yeah, I don't know. And what possessed had, him to do it? He had a full-blown beard for a while, I think. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, he was going through his hippie stage. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know when he when he did, dedicated his life to that mo. Yeah, I know, and he's maintained it. He hasn't. He's, got, he's probably had it for about. He's had it certainly the time I've been alive. Yeah, thirty-five years, thirty-six years, thirty-five years. Wow, what an identity of a moustache. So yeah, we're going to be talking about um, Movember, expanding on why Neil is taking on this challenge of growing the world's worst moustache, uh, <laughs> what his what his wife and kids think about it, what his, col- what his colleagues think about it, um, and also just generally charity as a whole. You know, how, how do we go about it? Do we uh, give money? We've kind of touched on that before in previous episodes, but giving money and time and you know, what do we think about it? And then, yeah, like I said, everything about the November aspect in terms of male, men's mental health, suicide rates, what Gymshark get up to, what they're doing, raising awareness, like all that kind of stuff. But um, if, if you are a regular listener, you know, if you're the three and a half that are listening just now, I mean, we've got up one. Um, we're approaching the 3,000 downloads for the year, which, yeah, it's not bad. It's about, how many, how many downloads per episode would that be? 10, 20... 30, 40, 40 downloads, 50 downloads per episode, which is not bad. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take I'll take that. But yeah, and every every um every episode, if you are a regular listener, you'll know that we we do this podcast, have a chat with each other. So first thing we start with is uh, how you how are you, Neil, and what have you been up to? That was a, a great intro, Gordon. Much better than the last previous ones. Just for people's perspective, we're recording in the morning. It's ten a.m. our time, eleven a.m. almost. Normally we do it at night time and Gordon seems a bit frazzled and a bit, I don't know, deflated. So Grumpy. it was nice. Grumpy is probably a good <laughs> word, Neil, because, I don't know, last night I, I was quite glad when you said, can we do it in the morning? Because, I don't know, I had a stressful, busy day, long day. And I think sometimes it's, sometimes it's because I'm not very accustomed to sat in front of a screen all day. I'm very much like a up and doing things. And I'm editing a video at the moment for someone that's particularly finicky. Like there's so many, basically the way I edit is I've got like lots of layers on a video. So you've got lots of the video layers, lots of the sound layers. And I think there's like five or six, maybe even seven video layers. And then again, the similar for the sound layers. 
So, you know, and, and that just means lots of stuff that can go wrong and doesn't work and whatever else. So it's a bit of a labor of love, but that should be done. Hopefully it's going to be out tomorrow. So it's, um, yeah, that's why, I guess. I feel less Good. grumpy now. <laughs> nice. Um, anyway, how's my week been? Yeah, it's been pretty pretty good actually i was in i mean there's not been too many highlights as the highlight this morning came through i woke up to a nice mortgage offer for um from our bank what a time to be alive Anil. <laughs> i don't know when that's a highlight of the week um but yeah so we're fixed we've got a, a deal now that lasts six months um so when a mortgage comes to end and sometime at the start of next year we have a, a, an agreed rate so now I don't have to panic about the news I can kind of do some planning in terms of financials and I just like I, I now know what I'm paying for the next five years we've fixed it for we decided to fix for five years because it's a relatively good rate and yeah I, I don't know why but it's a massive massive weight lifted off my shoulder because for some reason I, I process and stress about the mortgage a bit too much um, another aspect of this week, which is a bit of a downer. So Rebecca, I don't know if I've told the podcast, but Rebecca's business is she ran a weaving bakery. I don't know what episode you can hear it on, but we went into a bit more detail. We actually recorded an episode in the coffee shop slash bakery at one point. But unfortunately, that's had to come to an end. Um, various reasons, but one of the main ones is that their electricity bill went from like £300 a month to over 1000 and it's just, yeah, cost of oil, cost of flour. I mean, the cost of oils kind of times 15 in terms of what they're paying. So yeah, everything's just gone crazy. And it's not sustainable. So yeah, this week's been a bit of an emotional roller coaster for her, um, where she's now kind of entering a new chapter in terms of what she's going to be doing and looking at career options and all that kind of stuff, which is kind of, I guess, similar to what Laura might be going through as well um, in terms of trying to find a job and that, and that kind of thing. So... Yeah, it's just been it's been okay. There's there's been no no major dramas. Um, this weekend's going to be good. I'm way up to Mar Lodge, which I think is where you went for a wedding, isn't it? Is it Mar Lodge? No, 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 oh. no. Um, ah, okay. So yeah, Mar Lodge is a, is a beautiful lodge in the Scottish Highlands where we're spending three days at a family wedding. Which yeah, our kids are really excited. I'm really excited, and it'd just be a, an awesome awesome affair. Oh, so you're all you're all going. We are, yeah. My word. What uh, what provisions have you taken with you to help you survive? <laughs> Toys, snacks. Yeah. But like, there's going to be lots of kids there, lots of cousins, lots of oh, right, uncles. Okay. So it's kind of a, a kid, kid's, kid's safe zone. I don't know. Like We're in this stage with Olivia trying to, like obviously, she's, she's socialising now, right? So I take her to soft play and she's, goes to, she's at nursery today, for example. But I don't feel less stressed when she's entertained by other people. Like I feel probably a bit more stressed. Like I'm just sat down rather than standing up chasing her because I'm watching. Like, <laughs> is she behave? Is she behaving? Is she punching any kid in the face? You know, is she yeah. getting punched in the face? Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I guess I'll get over that at some point when they're a bit older and they can handle themselves. I guess, but yeah, yeah. And like generally, when you've got an older one like Isla, she'll come and tell us if the boys are in trouble, which is quite nice. Right. So you've got a snitch. <laughs> something you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like the, the week's also been prepping for the outfits for the kids and just making sure my kilt's okay and Rebecca's got her dress sorted. So yeah, it's been it's been a okay week. How about you, nice. Gordon? Are you still stressed? Are you still working twenty hours a day? No, the past two weeks have been a bit less. I'm still working, but I've been definitely been home more. Like this week, I haven't had a shoot, um, which on reflection, that's been quite nice because I still have editing to do. Like I've still got work plenty of work to be doing and invoices to be sending so it's not like i'm not making money it's just i'm doing it sat down somewhere in my 
in my pajamas, really, to be honest, rather than out and about. Um, last week, I had one particular shoot. This is this video that I'm basically finishing off today. So we're shooting around London with a tech YouTuber called Pete. Um, he was doing an Apple Ultra Watch review. So it's kind of like it's branching into different types of content. You know, normally I'm kind of fitness niche type of thing. Um, so it's quite nice to do that and thinking on my feet and come up with ideas and whatnot. Which the ideas they work, but then they just add layers to my work workload, which is kind of interesting. But again, I guess, I guess I think I've always pursued the idea of like over delivering, like under promising to some extent, and then over delivering the best I can. So I get kind of obsessed with how it looks and the types of stuff that I'm including and doing and whatnot. So that's been a, that's been an interesting project. I'm trying to look at my um, my diary. We had a, a parents like a baby and bump meet up thing on saturday for guy fox night so we had some fireworks and some food and catching up with friends and i was in bed just after 10 o'clock i got knackered <laughs> I, I forgot we yeah we went to the fire before that was last week we went to the fireworks which is nice yeah 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 it's, it was quite fun um olivia we got our ear defenders so all the babies were sat watching the uh the fireworks going off i've no idea if they're actually paying attention or not but you know <laughs> it was it was quite good and olivia we stayed over so olivia slept upstairs which was really nice and then we woke up had some breakfast and things it was just kind of it was just socializing right and i think olivia's in this stage now where she interacts and she plays and she's like she knows the the little girl that they've got um his name's her name's alba and she just runs around going Alba, 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 um, which is very cute. And it just feels really wholesome, right? It's when when families are coming together and everyone's playing together, having a nice time, having a little beer and having food and whatnot. So that in particular has been been really, really nice. Um, Laura's mum and dad have been off in Kenya, so they've been at a wedding out there. So we've kind of just been the two of us for the first time in quite some time, um, which feels good and bad at the same time. Like it's really nice when Laura's mum and dad come over at the same time as like taking her off her hands a little bit, but also just them being around and, you know, just being part of our lives really. Um, so that's been a bit odd, but they're, they're um, itching at the bit to, to get Olivia for a night. So as soon as they're back, I think the first night they want Olivia over for, uh, <laughs> for, uh, for a sleepover. So that's good. The part-time YouTuber Academy, Ali's course, has kicked off this week. So I had a few presentations in in front of a bunch of people. And I'm, I feel like I'm a confident person. But it still, it still kind of was like, oh, oh, I've got to talk to like 60 people on a Zoom call or, you know, teach people things. Like teaching someone something is so different to just doing it yourself. You know? Yeah, yeah. So part of my role is, is doing like teaching for short terror and stuff like that. In front of brutal. people, yeah, yeah, brutal. So I um I was doing a bit of that last night, and and yeah, the rest of this week's just been kind of like editing and things, and then I have Neil. I have the first full weekend of just me and Olivia. There's no grandparents. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, you mentioned that. There's no Laura. Time. There's no nothing. It's just me and her. <laughs> right? Do you remember yeah. the first time you had that? Yeah, I am. I, um, I hope you've got every hour planned. No, no, you're just gonna wing it. Well, I've got I've got plans. Like today, for example, Laura leaves uh, sort of mid afternoon for a train, so I'm picking up Olivia. She's at nursery, so it's kind of it's a bit cheating, but she's at nursery, and I don't have to pick her up till about like just after half four, half four five. So I, I'll do her dinner. Like I've done her dinner all the time. I've done all the sort of bits and pieces. Like I've I've pretty much done all that anyway. Um, it's just like all day Saturday. It's just me and oh, her. So I've, I've got a dad thing I need to answer. You've got a dad thing you need to answer. Why do you need to answer it? So, am I just going to be sat here, like, talking to myself? 
Yeah, it is, yeah. Oh, I've got, I've got to be quiet. Okay. Yeah. Okay, no worries. <laughs> yeah. No worries. Thanks for calling. Bye. That's proper dad life drama right there. Do you reckon? Do you reckon we'll keep that in the podcast? Why not? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> So yeah, the, when the when the primary school or the nursery calls, you're like, oh, you got to answer it because have they been sick? Did, have they been sent home? But no, the protocol for this one is any head bump, no matter how small, needs to be a call. So he had he Mind bumped his head, he bumped his head, and he got an ice pack, and he's absolutely fine. But they need to tell me anyway. Oh, all right. So it's like, why is there a bruise on my kid's head? It's <laughs> why. Yeah. Wow, there's you know there's levels of protection, I guess. Whereas when we went to nursery, if we fell out a tree, like they'd just be like, "Yeah, oh, he's broken his arm. He'd be all right." I know, I know. Um, yeah, so I've got the. Uh, I was asking you about you know what what do you remember your first first day on your own or your first weekend on your own? Do you remember? Yeah, probably more so with the boys than with Isla's. Obviously, now almost eight years old, which is mad. But um, yeah, the boys probably. I was maybe like six months old. Or no, they were about six months old, so pretty young, um, and they're just dreading it because the, the nights are horrendous, the bottles feeding and all that stuff. It was just a, a moment of time where I just had to get through it. I don't, I don't remember ever looking forward to it. Now Olivia is like a, a little person, so yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's kind of for me. It's just I I don't know I don't know how it's kind of happened, but it kind of it just has right. Is that Laura's in charge? Right, she takes takes the reins on pretty much most of the stuff that we do, and she's it's it would be like why would she be away? You know, we had maternity leave which lasted for a year. Uh, works, she's been back at work sort of three three months or so. So it's like why would why would have Laura been necessarily away? Maybe she, maybe she would with friends or whatnot, but generally speaking, she was breastfeeding for six months. So it's not like I didn't want to do it. So I just want to clarify yeah. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just that this has just ended up being the first weekend um, by myself. So. Yeah, what do we have planned? I've planned. Uh, I've, I've roped in one of my mates, Johnny. Oh yeah, Johnny Jacobs. So we're going. For, we're going for lunch tomorrow at twelve thirty, and then I planned on potentially going into the Tate Modern, which is just across the river. Oh yeah, and walking around there potentially, and then checking out like I don't know some of the artwork and see if Olivia likes it. I don't know. She might. <laughs> she might not. Who knows? And and then yeah, come back and that's kind of the day gone, right? It's basically she gets up. She'll be asleep until pro- she'll have a nap at nine thirty till probably about eleven. Then we'll get the train and we'll go and get the train and then we'll have a lunch. Come back. It's her dinner at four thirty, and then you've just got to hold out for another hour, hour and a half. And it's bath time, and then she's in bed by seven, right? So it's kind of the days goes really quickly when you've got the kids. So yeah, I agree with that. And then Laura's back on Sunday, Sunday afternoon. So I'll probably take her for a walk. Maybe go to the park if it's dry Sunday morning, and then that's kind of it, really. Easy. Easy, Neil. I've got Nothing this. to worry about. Nothing to worry about. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we were talking about this Movember thing. And like I said before, if you're watching on the YouTube, you can tell um, in at least high definition, I think, Neil's terrible tash, um, which you, you appear to have just grown it in the middle between your nose and your lips, but nowhere near either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shocking. 
So what's what's the what's the motivation? I was just picking my nose on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> um, Unfiltered. What, what's the uh, what's what's the why? Why are you growing a mustache, Neil? Why am I growing a mustache? Um, raising awareness, I guess, and being just having something to do that relates to Movember. So uh, I've, I've done a few charity events. We can talk about this later about raising money, doing big runs, or. Or that kind of thing, but yeah, I wanted to do something that this year that raised awareness of men's health. Movember popped up. There's a few of us at work doing it, so it's a bit of a a work commitment thing as well. But we've agreed not to raise money, and there's a few reasons of why. Um, one of the biggest ones is cost of living through the roof, and we didn't feel like raising money for growing moustache is gent. Like I don't know about you, but I I feel if you're going to raise money for something, at least make it make it hard. Like make it difficult, um, like a big run or I don't know. For for me, if I was to raise money again, it'd have to be for like an ultra marathon or something instead of a marathon because I've already done that. So yeah, I've decided to raise awareness instead of raising money. So like I've committed to once a week posting about men's health. So this week I did a post on my kind of toolbox things of getting through difficult times in my in my mind and how mental health needs to be trained just like physical health. Oh, and, I, and the response has been good. Like internal people at work have enjoyed it and LinkedIn, there's been a few few people engaging with it. So yeah, that's kind of why I started. And I guess the Tash thing, I, I, I guess if people are aware of Movember, they're going to ask. So I have a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of Teams calls. And somebody did, did bring it up yesterday, actually, a customer saying, oh, you do, are you doing Movember? And then we've gotten a whole conversation and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, conversation starter, raise awareness. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. I don't know. I don't know how much I agree on the whole money giving aspect of things. Like, I think I think you're right in that it's it it gives people another excuse to give money rather than just you know if I'm raising money for dolphins, right? <laughs> you know, not everyone cares about dolphins, but if I go and do an ultra marathon, then people are like, oh, that's really hard. Yeah, okay, they put a lot of effort in. Here's my contribution overall. But at the same time, I feel like you for, for most for certainly for a lot of charities there should there, you shouldn't have to do anything really to raise money should you like it should be a case of like a statutory 10% of your earnings you know should be towards some sort of charitable organization perhaps if you can um and if you want to so i don't know i, I think i think we're on a slippery slope if we we're we're now only raising money for ultra marathons, and marathons are now the the distant past. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah, we're only raising we're only raising money for marathons and not for going for a walk for a hundred meters, right? You know, it's kind of like you then also lose the you lose a whole bunch of people. How many people can go run an ultra marathon? Yes, yeah, so, so like that's just my personal view. Um, I wouldn't want to ask my friends and family for money if I wasn't really pushing myself. I don't know why I've set that kind of mindset, but a five k might be somebody's. Mate, I'll give you, I'll give you money, right, to charity if you keep this tash for a year. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> name your name your price. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm hoping people on the podcast will start contributing. Like, if you're listening to the podcast right now uh, and you follow us on Instagram or you follow us on YouTube, leave a comment or uh, send us a DM and tell us how much you'd pay uh, to a charity, something like Mind's Charity or Movember Charity or whatever else, for Neil to keep his tash for a whole year. 
there's a guy on um on Instagram I follow a chap called Fergus Crawley. You might have seen his oh, YouTube. Yeah. He's quite he's quite got quite good YouTube videos. He's um big into mental health advocate and stuff, and he's raised like I think over ten thousand pounds for Movember causes. And um, he kept a, a moustache for like th- three or four years. Wow. He looked, like he looks ridiculous. He, he looks ridiculous with it, but he's been repping it for years and years. And it's just part of his identity now. It's brand. That's 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 what that is. <laughs> that's, that's marketing. <laughs> yeah, but it is. It, the, there's um there's something going on right now with, and I I don't I don't hold Gymshark in uh, high regard when it comes to certainly male body image. And their marketing around it, and their sales tactics, and then their athletes that they use, and all this kind of stuff. Like, I guess, I guess I put myself out of a job if I give uh, <laughs> all my opinions on it, strong ones. But I don't necessarily agree with that, unfortunately. And but they have done a couple of things quite recently that I would basically high five them for in a metaphorical sense. One of them was they opened a barber shop, and the barber shop, uh, the barbers all had some mental health um, counsel, counselling training. And basically, it was a free haircut and a conversation, which I thought was brilliant. I thought that was a yeah. great idea. Yeah. You know, you, you go to, because, you know, when I sit at my barbers, 50% of the time, maybe 75% of the time, I don't want to talk to you. I'm not interested. <laughs> don't ask me how my day is. Don't ask me how the wife, like, what I'm getting up to later in the day. The weather's nice. I like, couldn't give a shit. Okay? However... The twenty five percent that time of that I am interested it is it is quite an interesting conversation. Like some some certainly the barber uh, the chap that I was getting my hair cut for a long time from ruffians, he was he was great. Like we'd have a great chat and a great conversation. I'd really enjoyed going to get my hair cut. So I think that was a really really smooth move, and I hope they do it again. I think it's just a great idea. Um, and then the second one they're doing is apparently every one hundred minutes, one hundred men lose their lives to suicide. Which is bonkers, right? That's a, that's an insane st- statistic. So what I think they're doing is there's a hundred of them, hundred men at Gymshark are running a hundred miles. So wow. from the Gymshark HQ right now, they're running from the HQ down to the Regent Street store. Yeah, and and wearing a hundred pounds on their back, something like that. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Which, yeah, it is amazing. And like I don't know, I think uh, not Brewdog Gymshark. I've gone. F- They've they used to be pretty bad in my my eyes in terms of body image and and stuff like that. But did you see the recent one they did with the models in their new Regent Street store? No. So they basically got athletes, Gymshark athletes from all sides, like people in wheelchairs, big powerlifters, aesthetic males and females, body scanned them, and then got their mannequins printed out, three D printed. So wow. the mannequins in their store are actually real people and real sizes. Which I thought was just quite a nice, different thing to do. That is good. That is really um, good. Um, yeah, yeah, that is good. To be honest, like so the, it's they just, are changing. The, they are changing, but it's kind of like they're changing because they have to. <laughs> like it's it's marketing, <laughs> yeah, you know, and yeah. it's not like they're going to totally scrap the you know the picture perfect model that they use. Right, it's not like they're going to go down that route. They're just now realizing that there is maybe a backlash or a kickback on what they've been doing and how they've been doing things you know i don't think it would have been difficult for them to drug test all of their male athletes right like consistently they could have started doing that and that wouldn't have been a bad thing um but yeah no hat hat tip to that and i think that's a a really a really good thing to be doing um and i've seen movember all across like the rugby world cup 
as well. Like that's been a big thing um, about men talking to each other and and doing that kind of stuff. And it's just, I think it's, I think it's just good to see. It's good to see that money is going into things like that. You know, whereas previously, I I just I can't remember a time where it would have really. Like yeah, it wouldn't have I mean, gone into like men specific male specific things because maybe it wasn't fashionable or it wasn't a good thing or you know I don't know I don't know what you yeah think about. I just think thinking about when we grew up in our kind of mid to late teens there's no I don't remember ever th- ever hearing or thinking about mental health like it just wasn't part of my vocabulary it wasn't part of the school teachers or the school curriculum that I was in or the college like it just wasn't a thing but now it seems very front of mind for anybody you speak to workplaces. The CEO of a company does a lot of mental health stuff. I don't know, it just seems everywhere. And I hope that we see the, for our kids and the next generation, is we see the the kind of, the rewards from that kind of communication, that kind of charity work and that kind of thing. Because, yeah, as you say, one male a minute will commit suicide somewhere in the world. And that's just mad. So hopefully, yeah, between Ben and Lewis, and if you ever have a boy, Gordon, that they grow up and they've got the toolbox to... I think I mentioned in another podcast, like my boys are in kind of preschool, it's called, and they're learning about breathe, breath work, meditation, mindfulness, and all that kind of thing at the age of four and a half, which I think is great. I'm curious. I'm curious about usually what I think sometimes happens is we go down, we, we go from one extreme to another extreme to then settle in the middle. So I am, one thing that I'm curious about is the, you know, at what point, at what point does the constant and consistent requirement to ask myself if I'm happy, how is that playing positively or negatively within my productivity? Do, do you know what I mean? Like, I I can definitely tell you that in my 20s, and this, this is actually, this isn't being inspired from a, a reel I shared on Instagram, I think, which was from Jordan Peterson, where he was just like, in your 20s, push yourself beyond failure. Like Basically get to the point where you smash yourself into the ground and then pull it back a bit and find where you, you're at. And he's he's basically advocating that, you know, how disciplined can you be? How hardworking can you do? Can you do 12 hours, 8 hours, 6 hours, 14 hours, like constant, non-stop? How many days can you do that for? How many months? How many weeks? And you know, during the 20s, I never really sat down and went, am I happy necessarily? Perhaps I would have probably been more successful. Maybe I would have been happier. But I feel like there's maybe a point at which we're at where it's quite hard leaning in the space of, you know, that area. You see what I mean? Like, see what yeah, I'm the, like and, and where where is the bit where you're like, I'm going to be unhappy at some point or, or point yeah. in my life and I'm just going to have to deal with it. You know, I'm yeah. just going to have to get yeah. on with it and I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be grumpy. I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to be like all these emotions. And at some point, there's just a bit of resilience where you're just like, okay, this is just part of what's going on. And I guess there's part of like gratefulness and mindfulness and that's kind of part of that. But I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm I'm spitting, spitting. No, I, 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 I do get you. You, um, it is a bit of a concern of mine is like our kids are taught to kind of always be happy and always be upbeat and it, it, there's going to be periods in our life where there's months or years that you've just got to grind and you've just got to hustle and you've just got to get through it. And I remember back when we used to work at Thainston and you can hear our, our, our jobs in a previous episode of what we did back then, but 
there's some days where we were, we were both working 12, 15 hour days and getting over breakfast and you know, we just accepted that, that we're going to get through it and do it. And that was hard. Like I remember being exhausted and having rubbish chats with guests that were complaining to me and like, but and I never once thought this is bad for my mental health. So I should stop it and go and <laughs> get, get yeah, benefits. No. Yeah. No, because I don't think it was bad for your mental health. I think it was actually good for your mental health because yeah. you realised how hard you could push yourself. Like yeah. you, you were, you were at a point where you could understand, you know, these like this isn't even my limit yet. Yeah, like, yeah. Like I'm not even like I working at Thinston. You know, I think my longest shift was about 27 hours. Yeah, mad. You know, and I was exhausted. That was a limit. That was a hundred percent a limit because I needed to sleep for like a day or two. <laughs> you know. Um, when I, like, I undertook, I did a, I did a charity thing. Do you remember the charity thing I did when I ran on a treadmill? Yeah, vi- yeah, vividly. So there was four, four of us ran Vaguely. 24 hours on a treadmill for, for charity. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. And I'd never, I didn't even train for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was pretty fit at the time, but I wasn't that fit. And I think we, what did we run? Like half an hour on, hour and a half off for 24 hours. So, and you wouldn't think that would be much. But it is. Like, you basically run a marathon within 24 hours, right? Yeah. And my legs were seizing up. Like, it was brutal. Um, but that, again, that was like me, you know, pushing my limits. You know, how disciplined can I be? How hardworking can I be? You know, where can I push myself? Even at that young age, I was like maybe 17, I think, maybe at that time. And then even, you know, working as a personal trainer, like, I'd sleep in the gym sometimes because it would just be easier between clients because i'd finish late at night the commute would be like an hour home or whatever else and i was up at four anyway so i might as well just leave the gym <laughs> you know it's things like that like and then when i'm working like how disciplined can i be and how, how hard working can i be like be focused on something for a certain period of time and i feel like that was good for my mental health because it it, it showed me what i was capable of you know and i think it also on reflection makes me also think i feel pretty uh, you know when like I, I think it makes me feel as though the life that I have now is actually pretty easy, which is kind of it's kind of a it's a double edged sword in a sense because you're like it shouldn't be it shouldn't be this easy, <laughs> right? But it is like it's pretty easy, like it's not hard. Um, yeah, I, but because I, I, I think I've moments. suffered. Yeah, I go through moments like that, and I think I, I'd love, and I don't know if that's even possible nowadays. But getting when we started working when I was like 13, 14 years old, washing dishes. And just like being around that environment of chefs working hard and like the organization that took and the mentality that took and working when you're really tired. I don't know, it defined, I think it's defined, it's been a big part of defining who I am and how I look at work and how I look at life now. And yeah, I want to kind of try and encourage that for my kids, but I don't know Cause it, if cause it's going to be the, possible. Yeah, realizing that no one's going to give you a handout, right? Yeah. You know, when, yeah. The, when you talk about the chefs in, in the kitchen, they don't give a shit about you. Swearing, they don't, at they, you. They don't yeah. care, right? They just want the job done and you better do it. And if you don't, then they're going to let you know that. Yeah. So Bob, you've got, Bob, you've, Bob from Pitodry. Oh, but he, he actually <laughs> gave me some, you know, knowing him, he gave me, I wonder if he's still alive. Um, he did give me a, um, a good piece of advice, which was, uh, he saw me kind of just lingering around the kitchen, right? Not doing anything. And he said, Gordon, I'm going to give you one piece of advice, okay? Look like you're doing something, <laughs> okay? <laughs> right? There's always something to do, always, right? And you lingering around and me having to tell you what to do is not what I want in part of my job, okay? So 
pick up a cloth, wipe a wall. Right? <laughs> it's, it's fair. Like, it's fair. If, you know, if you just linger around, you aren't used to anybody. Yeah, yeah. But if you get yourself involved and you ask the question, can I help? Can I do something? It opens up incredible doors. You know, because you put yourself out there, you're brave enough to like stand there and go, okay, I want to learn something new potentially, or make a new connection, or just quite frankly help someone. And the basic laws of psychology are this reciprocal thing, right? If you help someone do something, they're going to want to then return that favor in some way. So yeah, that was a that was a bloody good piece of advice from <laughs> Chef Bob. Was his name Bob? Is that his name? I think it was Bob. Um, but yeah, we need to, we've kind of gone off on a bit of a tangent. We need to bring it back to okay. kind of giving Movember charity. So I am. Um, from a from a young from when the kids were a young age, I was young as if I've always tried tried to encourage them to give things. So, for example, if we want to do a, a toy clear out, we'll suggest they um, pick toys to go to the charity shop and why they go to the charity shop. What the charity shop does, and that's kind of now part of their thinking. Like Isla will quite Isla will come up to me and say, "I don't really play with this anymore. Can we give it to the charity shop?" So that kind of mentality is really nice. And we also, I've mentioned before, but we sponsor a child in Africa um, through this monthly direct debit thing. And she sends letters every few months to Isla and us, like little drawings she's done at school, photos of her and her family and stuff. And that's just really nice. And Isla's now got a little bit of a connection to that person we're sponsoring. And she's aware what life, and we explain what life is like in Africa for these kind of kids, that they don't get free education, they don't get much hot meals. So like putting that into perspective, um, and I think is is important from a young age. So hopefully when they grow up, they'll be in that mindset of giving and mindset of looking after people from a charity point of view. So at what point at what point do you think you'll encourage her to step outside the realm or step outside the comfort zone of just giving money and actually get her hands dirty? Yeah, good. Yeah, I don't know because I think there's there's definitely there's a difference between you know. There's definitely a difference between kind of observational practice, like watching something and going, ah, I could probably do that, you know, or I think I know what that feels like versus you're actually in it doing it. You know, it's like, oh, I, I'd be like, I could run a marathon, be easy. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably quite hard. But then actually running a marathon, you, you get a level of empathy, right? And a level of feeling that, you know, surpasses that idea of, it's like, oh, I know, I know. It's it's good to give to charity. It's good to give give money. I think it's even better to use your own time and your own pair of hands to to help and see and and do things. You know, yeah. I remember when I went to South Africa back when I was eighteen. I I grew up in a very white farmer based rural lifestyle, right? Where you know we didn't we weren't necessarily rich, but we certainly had a TV and we had you know central heating and. We had a car and we went on a holiday and all those kind of things. Whereas in South Africa, you know, they don't have like, you don't even have run a war in some of these places, you know? Or a like toilet. They're living in, or a toilet. Like they're literally living yeah. in garden sheds and things, right? And they can't get a job and all that kind of stuff. And having gone there, I came back a very different person, you know? And yeah, I'm curious about, you know, when, when you'll encourage, I guess, her or yeah. the boys to go off to, to experience it, I guess. It was, it was actually a conversation I was having with a friend um, a couple of days ago and he's he's done some charity work out in Africa and stuff and as have I and he asked the question like what, when do you think the kids are old enough to, to go out there and see that kind of lifestyle and see that kind of I, I didn't have a good answer for it I um, 
obviously it costs money to get out there and all that kind of stuff but yeah what age would be beneficial like when they'd remember it and appreciate i think i think when you're an adult you know in the eyes of the law you're deemed as an adult i think from the age of about 17 or 18 yeah and i think that's where you've got a level of naivety but yet maturity at the same time that you can you could probably survive most things that come a a, a cropper to you or you could figure it out but at the same time i think you're mature enough to open your eyes and see what the world's what's happening in the world but i think in another another vein on that as well we often look at the idea of like going to do charity work in another country right it's an adventure it's going to see other things i'm curious i'm curious i'm curious about why we wouldn't necessarily then go and send our kids off to deprived areas of the uk right <laughs> yeah I mean, I, like, why wouldn't we you know there's there's deprived areas of the uk with and people with very different views like even in london itself you know you go to some parts of london you know you go and live there and figure out what life is like it's it's very different to what we grew up in very 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 different yeah um, i, I guess uh, I, i'm just because uh, I've, I've i've lived it and done trips out to africa to to see the slums and stuff i don't know i can't imagine there's organized trips to go, go and see <laughs> the, to the, Brixton. Yeah, the gateways of London. But I think there might, I think there might be. Like, I know I went to, and this is kind of straying from a bit of charitable aspects, but it's more the experience and empathy and understanding that you know, at the end of the day, you come from in a privileged background. You know, even if you don't think you do, because you've got friends that are richer than you and drive nicer cars, you do. You, you know, your 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 parents are still married. You got a free education. You've got running water, central heating, yada yada yada. So. I think one of the things is is that, that socialization, right? It's not just staying within your little clique or your village or your group or whatever it'll be and actually going out to, I don't know, other parts of the world. Like I think university is probably a big thing for a lot of people that do that. But then at the end of the day as well, that's a bunch of privileged people, right? They've got <laughs> free education, they've got an IQ, yada, yada. So, you know, I guess my, I guess my question isn't just necessarily set, you know, getting what point do you send Isla to, to, to realize these types of things, I guess is more, where do you send them? And, you know, what does that look like? I guess. And my personal, my, my idea would be to probably send them somewhere in the UK first and then, and then potentially branch a field if you wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something that I, I do think about occasionally in terms of how you can expose them to it and the impact it's going to have on their life. Cause it's, it's, it's also an amazing thing for your mental health as well. Right. Because you feel good. That's basically yeah. basically the basically like the best way to feel good about yourself is to give, <laughs> yeah. you know, and to and to help and and to um, help build someone up rather than buying your own stuff, right? And yeah, and it gives, yeah. gives you a new layer of perspective. Yeah, it does very much so. A much deeper layer, that's for sure. Definitely. So, have you got any um, charity events or things that you want to do in the future? giving or good question do i want to do anything um i think i'd like to do something each year that is uh you know representative of charitable um this year i think i mentioned it before i did that wedding thing and just basically i got them to donate my fee to charity which was very kind of them and i think i'd probably do that you know i'd i'd like to use my skill rather than give money i'd like to use my skill to be able to facilitate them to grow like if, if a charity for example if there's anyone three and a half listeners here were for a charity and they fancy <laughs> they fancy needing some pictures and some videos and things you know i'd, I'd happily donate uh, my time to go and make them uh i don't know a, mo- a video or a, a youtube video or a presentation video or um you know take pictures and things for their websites and whatnot so 
I think that's what I want to do each year is at least have one one to two bigger projects that ultimately I donate my time to um, to help people yeah spread their word spread their message you know solve problems in the world um, yeah that'd be cool yeah it's pretty pretty good um, I think for me it is whenever I get my knee fixed um, it's going to be the ultra so whether it's good it'll be next year now but yeah I think my next charitable thing will be probably to some kind of cancer charity leukemia or something I um, I want to run and raise money because the yeah the marathon I did four, three or four years ago I think I talked about it in a podcast but I raised over £2,000 wow which yeah just, I, don't, I don't know it felt quite good people were gi- giving to a nice cause because I'm I'm kind of pushing myself to the limits of something I've never done before and at the end of it like I've, I've achieved that marathon and I've given lots of money to charity so yeah it was a double because there's that adage right it's like do you get more pleasure from giving money to a charity or giving up your time well, I did both, kind of, in a weird way. I, I gave up my time to run, to train, to to get fit. Yeah. So then, when you when you discuss the ultra marathon, right? Do you start with "I did it for charity," like I I did something for charity this weekend, or do you say "I did an ultra marathon this weekend"? Yeah. I mean, I, I, when I talk about the marathon, I've never said I did it for charity unless charity is brought up. I just say I've run an ultramarathon or I've run a marathon. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's always quite a curious thing. And that's, that's something that I'm, yeah, I'd be, yeah, I'm, I'm curious about like the motivations. I, I, again, I'm thinking out loud and like the motivations of people to do things like that. Are they doing it because the mar, like running a marathon, for example, or doing a charitable thing, like running a marathon or doing a challenge like that gives, offers a level of like prestige and point to doing something for charity when you know i think charities probably could just do with the cash <laughs> to be honest like, yeah you know just just have the cash rather than necessarily have to do something about it like i'm curious about how that's built up over time like why do we why do we feel we need to go and do something that's like that to then ask people for money why can't we just say i think this charity needs the money yeah it's it's, it's a weird mindset when you talk about it and why have we got to that level of why do we need to give for someone to suffer? Yeah. Like, yeah. Why? Why? Why can't we just <laughs> literally? Why can't you go up to someone in the street and say, "I'm raising money for um, leukemia research"? That's it. Yeah. I, I want to pay for some nurses for leukemia research. Oh, you're not running a marathon? No, just here <laughs> raising money. <laughs> you know, it's kind of it's interesting. Like, but I guess it's also. I, and also, like the the motivations of the charity, they want to hold these events because they want people to come along, and they know that they can basically just get a bunch of sales reps in the nicest possible way to raise money for their charities. So I guess there's like part of that. It's kind of like it's it's a circle where I see how it works. I'm just curious of why we feel the need as human beings to sort of participate in that. Why do we have to do this? Which is kind of just a bit of a facade for really what is you want to give to charity, or the the slightly more different one where it's like. I, I want the accolade of running a marathon rather than actually, you know, telling people I give to charity. Maybe we think people are a bit wank if they say they give to charity. Yeah. Um, I'm charitable. I'm a philanthropist. It's like, it's like when you go to, or on a Just Giving page or something, I noticed now, uh, there was one yesterday or t- t- two days ago that I was looking at, and you can filter by the biggest donor. I was like, that's a bit <laughs> of a dickhead thing, like... 
course it is. It's all status <laughs> games, right? Yeah. You know, Why don't you be like, anonymous? Like, I'm, I'm usually anonymous. Unless it's my mate. If I, I want my friend to know that I've given them charity. Like, it's weird, I, isn't it? Well, I, I think so. We, we gave the wedding I'm going to the weekend. They've asked for no gifts and a donation to a charity. So we did that. But I put anonymous as my name. But I think, I presume they will get an email saying the Greenhorns. Or maybe they don't. Maybe. I hope not. No idea. That, that would be a GDPR issue. Yeah, so, oh, oh well. I, I've, I've still given, so I, I feel okay with that. Um, but yeah, when you when you see that filter of like, well, why do they need to have that? Like, why was that designed? Because it encourages people to give, that's why. It's like sales <laughs> tactics, right? True. That's what it's all about. Like, yeah. It is. Ultimately, you know, a charity needs money to operate and it needs as much money as possible. And everybody likes swinging the dick around, right? Even if it's when it's given to charity, like there's a, it's a win-win situation. I'm so rich that I can give this much money to charity. Yeah. Oh, how kind could you be to give that to charity? You know, it's just like a win-win. It's, like, it's a win-win situation. <laughs> no one loses in that. The charity gets money. The guy or girl gets uh, status. Um, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Because it's like, you know, I think um, there was a crypto guy recently that lost his entire fortune. Have you seen this? The crypto markets are basically crashed. Like yeah, no, I've seen, I've seen, FTX I've seen thing. Yeah, yeah. And basically he was going to give 99% of his fortune to charity. But I worked out that he still had like 100 million pounds left. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So it's like, that sounds like a great and grandiose number. And it is, don't get me wrong. But he still has like nine yeah. figures. It's like, yeah, Bill Gates and like all the Warren Buffets all signed this pledge to give away 99%. Yeah, but they're still like, they're still like, what is Warren Buffett worth? Like 100 billion. Yeah. So he's still got a billion left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, I mean, if he said ninety nine point nine percent, then sure, I'd probably be like, "That's that's that's something." But there's still a hundred million left over. Like, <laughs> so uh, it's a funny, it's a funny thing to end on, I guess. Um, but you know, and I, I also wonder as well, like from a mental health perspective, like bringing it all the way back, doing something for charity clearly is probably better and more profitable for your brain and how you feel than just giving money right because it, it, it yeah giving money isn't the same as giving love i guess and giving your time and what you're doing so yeah from a charitable perspective i think doing something is clearly some, uh, a cyclical thing that makes you feel good you know ultimately yeah and as you mentioned the whole perspective puts, puts it into like even working in a soup kitchen or giving to the homeless or working in a food bank yeah, maybe maybe I can see. I mean, Isla goes to brownies every week, and the brownies as a group. The boys aren't allowed to go to. Just I just have to put that out there. <laughs> just um, they they do some charity stuff, so I think she will get involved when when time's ready, time's right to do like food bank stuff and and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that is uh, that has been episode number. 48 of the Developing Dads podcast. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I don't get cancelled for anything I've said on this one. I don't think I have said anything egregious. Have I, Neil? No, no you don't I think, think so? it's been good. All right, cool. Well, I've got at least one person in the room that supports me if I go to jail. Um, we are on all platforms as per usual. You're probably listening to this on Spotify. Like 50% of people listen to podcasts on Spotify. The rest is Apple Podcasts and the rest basically don't listen to anything else. Like who listens to podcasts on Google Podcasts? Anyway, yeah, if no. you do... Drop us a comment. <laughs> Drop us a comment or a review. Um, you can find us on Instagram. Neil um, had started posting reels, but has now <laughs> slowed down to his previous record of none. 
but um yeah if you want to follow us on there it's developing dads and we are also on youtube we upload these as a video thing so if you prefer to not just have us in your ears but also have have us in your eyeballs then by all means any three and a half listeners can can jump on there and say hello um any pearls of wisdom to pass on neil um from today none none whatsoever i'm pretty sure i wrote down one the other day actually um which i think i might have somewhere close by um yeah i don't know it was a it was a quote actually it's got nothing to do with um <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with mental health or charity but it was i was listening to a podcast and the chap said if you want to not look at the price tags then you've got to be able to work without looking at the clock oh that's pretty good yeah you know? Yeah. Is that, is that what you do? <laughs> nah, I've still got to look at the price tags, Neil. I've got a driveway and new render to pay for now. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. All right. Cheers. Bye.